0: Welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. International Day of People with Disability is held on the 3rd of December each year. Although it's a United Nations sanctioned day that is celebrated nationally, the focus being on celebration in many communities across the world, the day is also one to acknowledge the ongoing fight for the rights of people with disability. This year's theme is empowering persons with disability and ensuring inclusiveness and equality. Joining me on the show today is Marissa Spizarro. Marissa is a broadcaster at Community Radio 3CR. She produces a show called Doing Time about prisoner rights and advocacy. Marissa joins me on the show today to not only talk about the accomplishments so far of people with disabilities, but also the ongoing struggle to achieve more rights. I'll let Marissa introduce herself.
1: My name is Marissa, and I am a human rights and Indigenous rights activist. I also come from a non English speaking background, and I am a Braille user. And I have a vision impairment.
0: So, of course, um, we are celebrating this week, or not even celebrating, we're continuing the fight, the struggle for um, the rights of people with disabilities. The um, 2nd of December is the International Day of the Rights of People with Disabilities. I mean, what do you think? How do you feel about today? What, what is there for you about this day?
1: To be honest, I have mixed feelings about this day. It is good to celebrate, and indeed, there's been a lot of significant process, progress. However, it is important to say that people with disabilities struggle every day, and that means that we st- obviously we still get enjoyment out of life, but we always have to be educating and strategising about, about what to do and how to do things.
0: What does that mean when you say we've got to be strategising about what to do and how to do things?
1: It's really hard to talk about, really, because as a as a blind woman or a vision-impaired woman, it, it, it appears that sometimes it can be construed that you can offend people.
0: What do you mean?
1: Well, sometimes what can happen is that if you say something about about your blindness or you, you say you want, um, for example, braille books to be in the bookshops um, or you want to have accessible voting, for example, that could be construed as something that you're whinging about.
0: Look, I'll tell you what it sounds like to me is that... Um The experience that people that experience chronic illnesses often talk about when they're trying to um, advance their rights or they're trying to assert themselves, and because the illness that they're dealing with is chronic, it's always there, that over time um, people around them start to get tired from the request. But actually, it is the nature of having a chronic illness that you Often need support in a world that is not designed to accommodate a chronic illness. Is that kind That's of what? Exactly right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Thank you, Giselle. In fact, you're helping me a great deal because I'm actually not used to being interviewed. As you know, I'm also a radio broadcaster at 3CR, and and I'm I'm used to interviewing people. So this is a little bit a little bit um foreign to me at the moment. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, Marisa, you and I have talked in the past about um, access to books, to literature, particularly politics, actually, in Braille and the ideological discrimination that you experience being a woman whose politics are anarchist um, and not having anarchist material available, um, available in a way that you can access...
1: It is a source of of great hurt, I think, because it represents to me that if you are vision impaired or blind and you're radical, forget about being being given political literature. And I have had many, many instances over the years where, where it's been censored, where I've been told, no, we can't do that. And it's paternalistic because, you know, we, we do live in a patriarchal society and it is paternalistic and it's um, it's it's downright discriminatory for that literature not to be available. And it's still the same. And, in fact, you know, with all the technology that's come out now, the, the, the iPhones, the Braille displays, which cost thousands of dollars, you've got your computers now that are Braille related and they've got wonderful braille displays and they look really good visually but a lot of these computers don't actually go onto the internet you can't go onto the internet they say that you can go onto the internet it really is a consumer affairs issue and i think my point here is giselle is that you can they say oh yes you can download all the books you want you can you can read all the books you want but you really can't one because the computers aren't effective or efficient enough even though, when you buy them, they start, you know the companies say that, that, that it is. And secondly, that there are severe copyright acts and limitations in this country and indeed all over the world that stops blind and vision impaired people from from getting books in an accessible format.
0: So you know you're an activist. How do you how how would you campaign around that? How would you fight back against that?
1: It's extremely difficult because a lot of the time when I try to campaign for equal rights with braille, books for example, it's really an uphill battle because you have people, blind people, that are very institutionalised. And when I say institutionalised, I don't mean that they're, they're locked up in institutions. I mean that institutionalisation is also a a mentally based thing as well where they are conditioned by the blindness organisations to say, Well, don't go joining any protests because you know, that's you're a rat bag. And in fact when I organized the Braille campaign, this is about ten years ago now, the the workers were told that if they actually came to campaign with me, they would get fired. These are the workers from the blindness organisations. And since then, I have been able to get some literature from the internet. It, it is better. Um, but often I have had friends and, and colleagues dictate things, read things to me, and, and I've had to compromise and read audio which is not a good thing. Audio makes people lazy and it is a form of illiteracy. And a lot of blind people get very defensive when I say these things. Oh, I don't have to read Braille. But when you really look at it, Braille is about equality and competency. And it's about being able to use this very wonderful tool for employment. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to be, like, working in a company and having my colleagues listen to a talking computer all day. And nor do I want to listen to a talking computer all day. I'll fall asleep. And, of course, we have to consider our children who are blind as well. That it's not just about um, learning audio. It's about learning how to spell. It's about... Yeah, I had enough problems when I was growing up as um, a blind child from a non-English speaking background. I had enough problems with literacy as it is. Um, but luckily, I did have my braille back then. Is it different? Braille has diminished. Sorry?
0: Is it different being a blind person from, an, from a non-English-speaking background versus a blind person from an English-speaking background in an English-speaking country?
1: Very, very different, Giselle, in many ways. It's often... I actually feel very marginalised and very alienated from groups, from collectives. Um, I prefer, prefer to work autonomously... I can work um, in a team situation, but I have to feel comfortable and I need to be able to develop trusting relationships. And I think it's because even though my I can speak English, I did not speak English up until the age of six years old. And when I went to school, I, I didn't speak any English. And I think of it with, for a child who's, who's blind growing up, When you've got people, your parents that can't speak English, you do not get able to get the support that a child would be able to get from an English speaking background. And it's not because my parents were bad people, it was more that they couldn't, they didn't know how to support themselves, they couldn't, you know, and how were they going to support a child with a disability?
0: Well, let's think about parents today that might be raising children with disabilities and um, the, the federal government, um, f- initially under Labor and now under um, the Liberal National Coalition, are introducing mm-hmm. and implementing this NDIS, a uh, National Disability Scheme. What are your thoughts on that? Does that work for people with disabilities?
1: To be fair... It has worked for some people with disabilities. There have been a lot of positive stories about that, and I I have to give credit where it's due. However, a lot of people have fallen through the cracks, and in particular with blind and vision-impaired people, there have been many, many submissions um, written by Blind Citizens Australia in particular who have indicated that there are a lot of blind people that don't get access to proper technology that's blindness-related, the niece providers are not trained to deal with blindness-related issues, such as the, the technology that someone may need. Um, I actually went on to the NICE and promptly got off it because it's not about choice and control. They took one look at me and they said, well, you're pretty confident with mobility so when you learn these particular areas, we're going to take the taxi allowance that we give you away. And I said, but why would you want to take it away given that um, when you're blind, you need to automatically be able to get some type of transport allowance given that I go to a lot of unfamiliar places with my radio work. I If I want to go to a protest or if I want to go and record something at a conference, those places are unfamiliar. And it's impossible for me to to navigate that independently. Um, And I think that they they said to me they were going to take it away. And so I was quite disgusted with that. And then they told me, the providers told me, that basically with my plan, that they were not going to let me get any braille technology unless I got an assessment. Now, that's absolutely downright patronising. I know quite well what I want and I don't have to go and get an assessor who doesn't know anything about braille. So those are the two major areas that where there were lots of difficulties and I, I actually got off the niece, and I don't intend to get on it again.
0: And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's program, I speak with Marissa Spizarro, a human rights and Indigenous rights activist about the International Day for People with Disability. I mean, you... uh, This is part of why I wanted to talk to you, especially on this day, on this occasion, is you're probably one of the um, staunchest uh, activists, not just around disability rights, but, you know, around a, a range of issues. Uh, and I think going toe-to-toe with some of these government service providers would be um, a challenge for anybody uh, just because you're strong and knowledgeable about what you want and what you need. I want to shift the Natural. discussion a little bit, though, because obviously your whole life isn't about being a person with a disability. Um <laughs> And I want to I want to talk about what it's like being an activist around human rights, indigenous rights. You didn't mention um, a, a lot of the prison activist work that you do. Um, I mean, do you find that activist networks aren't as accessible as you would like or would hope?
1: Over the years, Giselle, I have made some wonderful friends in the activist community, and I think that honestly, most people do their best. And, however, you know, there have been some groups that have, that have been quite non-inclusive in that they don't really have an understanding of um, braille. I had um, some collective members one time say to me, oh, you want braille, next thing you'll be wanting it in Chinese. Um, but that's very rare. But I wanted to mention that just to highlight that not all activists um, are perfect, and that needs to be to be said. Um, I think one of the things that does need to improve in the movement is that when there are um, anti-fascist protests, for example, and I need to use that as an example because the, the right wing is rising, it, there needs to be disability workshops conducted so that blind and vision impaired activists are able to participate in these situations, because often what tends to happen is that if a blind person attends that and everybody, um, like, it turns chaotic, what sorts of strategies can be put in place to ensure that those blind people are kept safe as well? Because that's important, and and it's particularly important in self-defence, and it's important to be able to be very cohesive. Doesn't matter what political, whether you're a socialist, whether you're an anarchist, there's got to be a united front. It's it's because what can happen is that that vision impaired person can be excluded because of the fact that their eyes may not be strong enough to handle the pepper spray from the police, where are they going to run? Where, Where can they see to run? And also, if the fascists um, start to bash people up, what types of strategies can be put in to make that person safe? I mean, obviously nothing is safe. And, you know, it's all about risk-taking and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's very important that there's a lot of workshopping done to ensure that people can work together with people with disability. And I think that's really important to to have communities. You know, before colonisation, we had tribes and we had... Everybody had a special job to do. Everybody had a role. And I think that's really sadly lacking in our movements now and that it's become a little bit individualistic.
0: Yeah, what do you... Saying,
1: all right, yeah.
0: Why do you, why do you think that is because I think the individualism is broader than um, all people with disabilities but I think obviously it's a it's a comment on the development of politics in the world today. How, how have we come here? How have we come to such an individualistic place? You know
1: Giselle, it's a really really good question. I think we'd be here all night. I think if I was going to answer that. You know, there's so much to think about. It's not just even about disability. It's, it's, it's about sharing. You, you know, it's about saying, all right, if you see someone that's standing a bit away and they need to be included, grab their hand. Take, be more tactile. You know, this is a visual world, and you know there just isn't enough talking anymore. There's not enough. Um, as I said, workshopping, to actually work out, Okay, well, what are we going to do? How how are we going to handle this? Um, Are there elderly coming to the the protest? You know, how can we bring them in? Are there people in wheelchairs? Are there blind people that need a guide? You know, all of those things are, are really important.
0: Well, the 3rd of December is the International Day for the Rights of People with Disabilities. Partly it's uh, about celebrating how far we've come in furthering the rights of people with disabilities, but of course for people like us it's also about acknowledging how much further we have to go. Do you have any thoughts on um, how much we've accomplished um, in relation to making this world more accessible for people with disabilities?
1: I, I think that it's, there are some good, lots of good things too. You know, you, public transport is, is a bit more accessible. You know, they're starting to get the, the newer trains in now where it's not, you know, people are no longer going to have accidents. You know, people that are using canes, you know, will be able to get on the train properly without falling between the carriages. And that's happening, I believe, in Victoria. Um... I think that people, a lot of people are more aware now. You know, you've got, you've got more organisations that are run by disabilities now rather than um, people who, who think they know everything about people with disability. You've also got your tokenism as well. So. You've got people that want to build their little empires. So it's about really making a balance, isn't it?
0: And then where to? What, what more is there to accomplish and how will we do that?
1: I want to live in a world where I can go into a bookshop and be able to read, to, to be able to buy a book and be able to read it for myself. And I'd like to be in a world where I can access braille timetables and it doesn't have to be, like on paper, it can be a braille file um, where it doesn't have to be off the internet. You can actually get that email to you. Not everybody can use the internet. And I'd really like to see um, more people with disabilities being employed as well.
0: Well, Marisa, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today. Was there anything you wanted to add?
1: Yeah, there is actually, just one more comment. And I I did touch on this um, on the radio show today that I did for Disability Day. And that is that in any discussion of employment for blind and vision impaired people, it's really important to understand that just because someone is blind, they don't have to work for blind people or, or with blind people. It's not a, it certainly isn't a special interest of mine. And I have done prison work. I've worked in, in women's prisons. And I have also worked with juvenile justice and child protection. And it was challenging and It was something that I really am passionate about. And and I've also been able to work at at 3CR to have that opportunity to work as a broadcaster. I don't have to go and, you know, work for some charity organisation for the blind and and read newspapers, you know. Like, I want to do things that are considered dangerous by (laughs) the blindness organisations. Oh, no, you, you can't go working with... Young offenders, you'll, you'll get bashed. But that never happened to me. And really, the biggest challenges were the management and the staff because they were the ones that had problems with the blindness, not, not, the, not the clients. And that's really what I wanted to say. And, and I think from a, from a global point of view, I, I want to honour all people with disabilities and to say that we all have to unite and and work together, and with the activist community. It's it's important that we all work together. But I have to say, and I'm hoping that this really comes across um, very clearly, is that I've had some wonderful experiences with, with the activist community, and in particular, when I was forest blockading. And that was at East Gippsland that was a primary example of how things worked in that in those camps we all worked together and everybody had a buddy everybody had a support person and that was one of the best experiences I've ever, ever had in my life and sometimes I wish that we, I could go back there
0: <laughs> well maybe you can Marisa maybe you can
1: maybe maybe we'll see We'll see. Giselle, thanks so much.
0: Thank you. That was Marissa Spizarro, human rights and Indigenous rights activist and community radio broadcaster at 3CR in Melbourne. We were discussing the International Day for People with Disability. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hannah and I look forward to your company again next week.